Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. In your company, a challenge? Are you battling turnover and struggling to draw key talent? Is your team not performing at the level you want? Problems present themselves through conflict, miscommunication, creative differences, unclear expectations, and motivational issues. ARC Integrated is here to address these challenges through executive coaching and customized interactive trainings. Create lasting positive change that will improve your bottom line and create a culture that attracts talent and reduces turnover by going to arcintegrated.com. That's arcintegrated.com. How does an economy that is more mindful and less mindless become a reality? Welcome to the Mindful Marketplace. I'm your host, Joel Skeen, and I'm happy to welcome you to the show where we ask experts, entrepreneurs, investors, and industry leaders for their perspectives on how all of us can, on every level, do our part to help create a more mindful marketplace. Man, I am excited for today's conversation. I'm excited for today's episode. I am grateful that I get to be here with you. Uh, My name is Joel Skeen, host of The Mindful Marketplace, and I wanted to let you guys know first, just say how grateful I am first to bizradio.us for giving me the opportunity to share with you. And I also want to say just how grateful I am to you, the listener. You know, your time may be the most valuable resource that you have. And I want to thank you for spending it with me and with our fantastic guests um, that we have here each and every week on the Mindful Marketplace. You know, there are a lot of ideas that we discuss on this show, from entrepreneurship to community creation to personal finances to getting out of debt to spending and investing with your own values to shifting capital, you know, away from multinational corporations and towards local and independent businesses. There's always a lot that we can cover, but one thing that all of these topics have in common is that what we're really talking about is change and that each of these things requires some level of change. And it's often said that, you know, change is hard. And I see a fair amount of evidence in both my personal life in my business and in the broader economy and culture that backs that up. It's said that you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I want to ask a simple question today. Why? Why is change so hard for us as individuals? Why does it seem even harder in large groups? If we know there's a better way to do something, why do we often persist and act against our own interest? You know, why do we hold on to things that no longer serve us? I know for me in my own life, there was a time when I was in desperate need of change. Not only was my bank account broke for sure, but even more so my personal relationships were inauthentic. My habits were self-destructive. My physical and mental health were completely ignored. And the most important relationship in my life, the one I had with myself, was on the whole negative and self-defeating. I, for me, wanted that to change. But the challenge of changing just felt too overwhelming. So for a long time, I stayed in that unhealthy and negative space for far too long. But at some point, maybe it was my own personal rock bottom, but the difficulty I had associated with change just got to a point where it seemed to be dwarfed by the anguish and dissatisfaction that I was already experiencing. You know, I got to a point where the pain of staying the same was even worse than the pain of change. Now, I'd love to tell you that I had a light bulb moment. And I was able to change overnight. It would be great if I had been able to just say a prayer or some affirmations or go to some life-altering conference or visit a hypnotherapist who cured all that ails me. But the reality is that change takes a lot more than that. 
it's not only takes effort and in shifting a perspective, but it also just takes time. And in my experience, it never takes less time than you hope. <laughs> it took me years to change the major problems I was facing in my personal life. And when I think on a larger scale, changing the way that we spend our money, the way we invest our money, and the way that we do business takes decades at least. You know, I'm reminded of a piece of wisdom from the ancient Chinese philosopher Mencius. So Mencius was a Confucian philosopher in the 4th century BCE. He's often referred to as the second sage of Confucianism, meaning he's second in importance only to Confucius himself. Mencius holds that all humans have an innate but incipient tendencies towards things like benevolence, righteousness, wisdom, and propriety. And he often used agricultural metaphors to explain his philosophy. I want to share one of them with you here. Mencius tells the story of a farmer who, concerned that his grain was not growing fast enough, pulled on it. He, the shoots were coming out of the ground, and so he started pulling on it to try to make them grow faster. And when he got home, he said to his family, today I am worn out because I helped my grain to grow. His son, uh, hearing this, rushed out and looked at it, but he saw that the grain was torn up and withered. He says that those in the world who do not help the grain to grow are few. Those who abandon it, thinking it will not help, are those who do not weed their grain. But those who help it grow are those who, who, who do not pull on the grain. Not only does this not help, but it even harms in it harms it. So, you know, for me, the moral of this story is that if we want things to change, whether it's in our personal life or in our business or our finances or in a larger societal cause that we care about, um, those changes can't be forced. Change evolution must instead be cultivated. We must let go of thinking in terms of instant transformation and rather see change as a garden that must be tended to each day and allowed to grow over time. If we want the fruits of a better future for ourselves and for our communities, we must be committed to the process of tending to our change each and every day. And it also means letting the grain sprouts of our own benevolence and wisdom grow without interference. This means watering the good and weeding the bad. So today, um, whatever you're doing, instead of trying to force change, let's take a step back and ask the question of ourselves, what is it that I want to water and what is it that I want to weed? That's the only way we will grow. It's the only way we'll change. It's the only way our communities will grow and change. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up today is because I'm the guests I have on today are people who have really cultivated, really grown, and really created a community here in Western North Carolina in Asheville, where I happen to live, with their co-working space, um, Hatch, um, Hatch Co-working. I've gotten to know these individuals a decent amount over the last several months, and I have been incredibly impressed by them. I have been incredibly um, moved by their diligence, by their hard work, and really by what it is that they're trying to do, which is truly create a community, not just create a business. So please, um, you know, help me. If you're at home, give a clap <laughs> to our guest today, uh, Sean Como and Erica um, Gifford of Hatch Coworking. Thanks for coming on the show today, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Joel. Yeah, I'm really, really glad we get to sit down and talk to you guys. I know I met you maybe about a year ago at one of the events that you were hosting at Hatch. Um, 
And before we get into, you know, everything that has to do with Hatch and the community you guys are creating and kind of all the exciting stuff that's going on, um, I'd first like to, you know, share with the audience here a little bit about your guys' backgrounds. You know, where did you all come from? How did you end up here in Asheville? And how did you, you know, well, how did you come to actually, you know, start working with Hatch and growing this community. So yeah, I know that's a lot, but um, <laughs> whichever one of you wants to go first. My background is New York City, Manhattan, by way of Long Island. Um, Erica has lived here for some 15 years and she had a business um, previous to this. She was a partner in a business previous to this, which is the way that I met her. Um, she had a gift company and my company, a print on demand company, did production for her. And what started out as, you know, great professional friendship turned into personal friendship, turned into a relationship, which was awesome. Um, because I was in Manhattan, she was here. And uh, yeah, so it was long distance <laughs> for some time. And then um, during the pandemic, I came down here to quarantine, literally from New York City. I hopped on a plane on Newark, came here to quarantine two weeks to to slow the curve. And then uh, I've been here ever since. And uh, yeah, a year of that, we spent indoors with everyone else. Um, I didn't really get to explore Asheville or look at Asheville uh, and the entrepreneurial community and, you know, just meet all of the people that make Asheville really special and unique um, until we started co-working in Hatchworks co-working space which at the time uh, was owned and operated by Boyce Tomlin and Charlie Ball. Um, Boyce Tomlin decided he was going to take off. Um, his seven years or eight years here um, had proved, you know, had run its course. And so he was looking for someone to take over the business, someone that was like him, someone that would have his vision or carry on his legacy. And, uh, one day he approaches Erica and I uh, with that. And uh, next thing we know, we're meeting with Charlie Ball, who would go on to be our partner, um, a fabulous partner, by the way. And uh, so here we are um, some two years later um, yeah. with a co-working space and so many other opportunities, as you mentioned, Joel. Do you have anything to add to that? Um, well, when Boyce, he literally sat us down. He pinged us and then 10 minutes later showed up and we sat down. We were all, you know, still wearing masks, six feet apart. And at the time, there were only, I think, a total of six members, uh, some that had yeah, been maybe. here for years, and nobody knew each other's name. And, you know, as we were taking it over, it seemed almost daunting in a way that the world was totally closed and people were still quite afraid of each other but i think we had all felt so much loneliness over covid and isolation that when we did our first social media post on there like i i just had this vision of doing like a, a post that said find community again you know and that's really what we've intentionally cultivated throughout yeah. throughout our journey so far yeah yeah so i guess that's, that's awesome now yeah 
<laughs> yeah. Well, and uh, Sean, I gotta, I, I, I sympathize, man, because I also, I actually moved away from Asheville right at, before COVID started. And I was also in a new town where I didn't know anybody. Um, I actually, that actually led me to come back here <laughs> personally. Um, but man, that's, that, that's never an easy thing to do is I've, I've talked to some other people who've been in the same spot where they, they made that move and then the whole world shut down or they made that move during COVID. And I imagine, you know, I know for me, it was, it was near impossible for me to start creating a community. Is that what, what led you to seek out a co-working space to begin with? Yes. Yeah. So we didn't kill each other. That was initially. (laughs) (laughs) No, my house is kind of open and we had an office, but it it was still kind of open. So he'd be on a call and I'd be on a call and we'd be trying to find quiet, trying to find normalcy. And, And what we liked about getting out of the house was, you know, showering every day, dressing up again. And choosing to like plug back in. Um, we still do casual Friday where we wear jeans on Friday, but but we like dressing up every day. You know, that's something that we all miss. We love all of our community partnerships, like with the symphony, et cetera, because it's fun to get dressed up. You know, it's fun to have an occasion to celebrate and to celebrate with friends. Yeah. And um, to go back to, why we picked it um we we needed a little bit of separation for our our professional jobs um because we were on meetings at the same time i could hear her meetings she could hear my meetings and that's just the layout of the house there was no way to get separation um so we sought out co-working voice was the first one to reach out to us and then said yes definitely come and work here we did and then again shortly after we took the space over but yeah, and when I we saw there was no community whatsoever, and I knew no one, I said, let's, you know, what can we do to create community? One of the first things we did was wine and cheese social, which was so faux pas. I was like, how is this going to be received? You know, wine and cheese, people just getting together in proximity, this is still very faux pas. Well, we waited for them to loosen that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, still, there, there was, there was no official, like, we're over. This is, you know, you can start safely, you know. But we had to connect people. People had been here, like you said, for so long, didn't even know each other's names. Yeah. How have you guys seen that community start to develop? And so, you know, because I know there, there's a lot of people out there who probably, you know, have their own offices that might not, you know, be looking at co-working. What do you see as the benefits to co-working to begin with? And then I want to hear a little bit about that, more about that transformation as you guys took over the space and to really develop that community. But yeah, why, why co-working for you guys to begin with? Okay. So the main benefit is mental health, social health. Um, And, you know, mental health is getting up, having a routine. You brush your teeth, you take your shower, you have some coffee before you leave you bring your work to work and then you leave your work at work. So there's this open and close of your day. Prior to that, if you're working from home, there's this, unless you're really, really structured and you've got this door on your office and you know how to shut it off. um, There's this feeling of living at work and there's like, okay, I live at work. I work at work. I, you know, my family's at work. Like there needs to be a separation 
Um, it's been that way for decades. There just needs to be that separation. It gives you that open and close of your day. Um, so you're able to check that off and, okay, I've accomplished this much today. I'll do what I can tomorrow. Erica would work into the night. She'd wake up in the middle of the night, continue working. There was no separation of work. Um, and it was putting a strain on our beautiful budding relationship because work was always there. So now she's able to shut her computer. I'm able to shut my computer and work is done. Um, so I'd say mental and, and, and for social health, um, it's getting to be around people. You may not think you want to be around people or you may not like people. You might have that meme in your head. It's too peopley out there. But once you start to get to know your people within a space, and all of a sudden you get excited to come to work and see them. Um, and eventually you start creating friendships that become long lasting or they become professional uh, friendships to where they might bud into a business idea. We have two or three business ideas that have come out of these collaborations. Um, so I think social and even professional development, I think it's great for that coming and coming to a co-working space. I think it is pivotal to that so if you have been thinking about it you, you've been considering a co-working space or even going to a coffee shop do it start somewhere but get out there get out of your house <laughs> try a day pass yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and you guys have definitely grown a lot so how long now have you been um where, where the two of you are managing the space now it's been a couple of years is that right i think it's been about a year and eight or nine months. Wow. So, yeah. I would have yeah, said. Company. I know. It's really <laughs> confusing. <laughs> so what are some of, because I think, you know, some people might be thinking when they think of co-working, they might be thinking of, you know, kind of a solo entrepreneur or maybe a, a, a an IT person or a tech engineer or something like that. But you guys really have a wide variety of businesses and of startups and of local independent companies that are really doing some fantastic work. Who are some of the companies that work out of Hatch? If you were to walk in today, you know, who would you see there? I mean, we've got a guy that was a co-founder of DuckDuckGo in here. We've got the founders of RunP, which is a, an app that tells you the best time to use the bathroom uh, during a movie. They've been featured in New York Times. Um, we have... A geologist. We have um, this writer couple. They write cozy mystery novels. We have um, copywriters, people that work for nonprofits, people that work for climate um, climate services, and, yeah. and you know, kind of evaluation. Um, it's it's wildly fascinating to find yeah. out what everyone does. And I think that's part of what the fun of wine and cheese is. Cause it's just like, what do you do? Wow. That's cool. How does that work? You know? And people just get to talk about it openly and freely. And it's like no pressure, you know? Yeah. I think a majority of our people are working professionals. They're not, they might be entrepreneurial, entrepreneurially minded, but I don't think they're. I mean, we do obviously work closely with Venture Asheville and some of the startups there, like the Runner's Box and the Rider's Box. Um, they uh, have worked here and I think are coming back when we open the new space. And then in the new space, 
There's also some great startups that are taking over large offices like Ecobot and um, mm-hmm. Silicon Dojo, uh, which is Eli the computer guy. He's got like a million and a half subscribers on YouTube and he's starting a programming and coding school. And every day he's in here building his little Lego cards, <laughs> cars and like they have sensors and they, they will like follow little kind of QR code things around or move away from them. It's like you can target with them. But he's going to be teaching people how to do all of this. And and part of what he's excited about is that he will have a lot of the folks that do that sort of thing right outside of his school so they can get plugged in to jobs and support, you know. So back to your question, I'd say probably 80% of our members are professionals. And then we've got the other, you know, 20% that are, entrepreneurs and have been doing remote or um, co-working for, you know, most of their career. So a lot of the people that we get are new to this. And I call that organic growth because, um, you know, they don't know, they didn't know about co-working. Uh, we hear people say, oh, this is my first time. So, yeah. And a lot of them have recently moved here and they, they love that, you know, we have this community that they can plug into because um, they maybe don't know anyone and we've seen great friendships form that way. Yeah. 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 I mean, I imagine that with that kind of diversity of business professionals and the, you know, kind of the, the, the cultivating you guys are doing around creating that community, I imagine that's led to some pretty interesting um, collaborations here and there. What's exciting for us is um, Palladium Energy, um, the CEO and founder of Palladium Energy, very humble guy's name's Nobel. Um, comes in with this dog. You wouldn't know that he's built a sixty million dollar startup uh, in the in the uh, solar energy uh, sector. But <clears throat> he wasn't satisfied with that. I mean, three three and a half years, he's built a sixty million dollar company with a small partnership. Uh, he decided to pull in one of our other co working members, Brian Gabor, and they're starting um, a mental health app. And uh, so we've got one builder and we've got one, um, you know, person who understands how to build a business. And now they're working on this and launching it in December. And had they never crossed paths in this, you know, very low barrier of entry co-working space, the world wouldn't have an app like they're going to build. So it's really great. Yeah. And like Henry, um, who, who developed an app called Undecided IO, and it helps um, high school students to figure out their college journey, you know, whether they want to try and do it debt free or if they, you know, what, what college is going to be the best, best fit for them. Um, he actually, we, we had a NC idea presentation where we had all these people kind of pitch a pitch party for the Hatch Innovation Hub, and then he took it to NC idea. He won the micro grant. And with that has paired with Dan from Run P and Dan is now the CFO CTO. Oh, CTO for, for undecided. And they are doing a big launch and reworking this whole app for a huge release. And I think that's going to benefit so many kids, you know, Mm -hmm. as they figure out which college they want to go to and how to get through the, 
admissions process easily. So, so that's just yeah. two of the happy collisions. <laughs> we could go on about that for forever. <laughs> Yeah, well, and what I love about what you guys are doing, you know, you mentioned the wine and cheese nights for um, for your community creation among your actual members that are there. But one thing that I'm excited to get into here as we move in, move on to the second half of our conversation. And for the listener, this is actually going to be a two part episode. I had so much I wanted to ask these guys about that we're moving into a two part episode here, and so. Um, we're going to have to wrap up here quickly, but once um, we come back, we're going to be talking a lot more about how it is you guys are really creating that community because it's not just for the people that are actually members of your co-working space. It's not just for the people who have a desk or who have a business there. Um, it's for actually the larger community. I've been able to participate in a lot of the events that you guys have doing, even though I don't have a desk there. Um, and so I'm excited to get to really dig in with you on that here. Um, make sure to tune in next week. Um, same time here, 11 a.m. on Tuesdays on Biz Radio US for us to really dig in with, to listen to me get to dig in with um, Sean and Erica more about how they're really, um, I would say, changing. They're helping to grow, helping to nurture, and helping to foster the entrepreneurial and the business community here in Asheville and in Western North Carolina which in turn helps all of us. Because as we know, the more we can support, the more we can invest in, and the more we can align ourselves with small local independent businesses, the more resilient our economy is, the more, um, the, the more connected we are, and the more we get not just a financial return on our money, but a social return as well. And Sean and Erica, I believe, are major players in making that happen and in seeing that develop here um, in Western North Carolina. So, Sean and Erica, thanks for being on today. I'm excited to get to dig in with you further here for our episode um, next week as well. Um, you can listen to this episode as well as um, tons of other great hosts on the Biz Radio U.S. network. Go to www.bizradio.us, or you can also connect with me directly at mindfulmarketplaceshow.com. Thanks for being on here, guys. I'm looking forward to continuing our conversation here. Thank you, Joel. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.